0: You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network.
1: All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. I'm going to be iconic. I'm going to be iconic. Say you want
0: to make it on your own. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck the podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D.
1: And I'm Tim Capper. You can also find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode of the podcast is presented by our good friends over at Sport Buff, where if you use the promo code Deck 10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. So if you head over to sportbuffshop.com, use the promo code, save 10%, and buy as much new merch as you can for the multiple leagues that they offer, including, obviously, the CFL and the Montreal Alouettes. And also, support local. Yes, always support local.
0: You can find the Alouettes Flight Deck all over the World Wide Web and social media. Make sure you check out our archive of our seven-plus seasons of the Alouettes Flight Deck at www.alowetsflightdeck.ca, Shoot us a follow over at Twitter, at alowetsfldeck. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Make sure you tune into our Instagram, where we've been doing some live streams, and we'll continue to do live streams, over at Flight Deck. Uh, also, we are on threads as well, also at Flight Deck, uh, Make sure you check out our YouTube page over at youtube.com slash alouette's flight deck and if you're not tired of buying merchandise over at uh, sport buff make sure you check out our merchandise site at teespring.com slash stores slash al's flight deck i know we are not on tiktok and have no plans to be
1: (laughs) uh so i've actually ordered speaking of our shop i actually ordered a couple more of the uh cartoon bird, 56 shirts for my wife and myself. And we're waiting for those to come in. So in a different color shirt than the normal blue one that I have, I'm, but I'm, I'm looking forward to having more, more than one of those in the house because, uh, man, I love those shirts. Those that, they're, that I love those.
0: Yeah. They're great shirts. And you know what? I, I gotta give a quick shout out to, uh, uh, his, his Twitter handle is DG teacher or, or I think it's DG teacher on Twitter. Uh, if I'm, I'm screwing it up, I apologize, but, uh, Last week, he decided in Knoxville – he's in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, was out doing some errands, and he was rocking an Alouette's Flight Deck shirt while doing so, which – big ups to that, man, because that is amazing. Just and He even said it's all about spreading the word and informing people of what the, the Flight Deck is all about and CFL podcast. So kudos to you, David. We definitely appreciate you doing that for us. Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to spike any sales. If it does uh, – once again we we truly appreciate each and every one of you listeners who has purchased merch from our store we don't make any, we don't really make any money off of it we just it's all about spreading the word and, and getting the word out about the Alois flight deck and if you're willing to do that for us please know that we truly truly appreciate each and every one of you who does so
1: yeah exactly and, and i i saw the i saw what you had done too and that, what he had done and you, and you know us retweeting it and stuff like that that was cool I love seeing people everywhere being able to wear one of our shirts, and we're going to have to come up with a uh, uh, sooner or later a a, a, a cartoon bird get together at the stadium, and everybody take a picture and use the hashtag the birds the word right sooner or later. We'll have to set something up for a little bit later on in the year because considering of how many people have purchased this thing, if we can just do a quick meet meet up, meet and greet, take a photo, put it to put it to, put it to social, and uh, let's have some fun with it, right?
0: oh hell yeah that's a great idea i like it <laughs>
1: um <clears throat> we went into it a, a little bit in detail over at uh, flight deck live uh this past weekend after the uh, after the alouettes fell once again which has seems to be a continuing trend in bc um <laughs> We've come up with so many different terms of what it is. I mean, the the owls are just horrible in BC in in less than forty years. You know, just nine wins in itself. Cliff, uh, BC BC is basically a place where the owls go to die. It's a giant graveyard. It really is. I mean, it's again, as I said on social, and I said as I said on Flight Deck Live, we need to, all owls fans. We need to petition the league so that we never play a regular season game there again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I know the league is hoping to eventually – I know fans really want the the CFL to get back to all nine teams playing against each other at least once. But, I, I mean, I, I'd be perfectly happy knowing that the Elowitz would never go back to BC Place because it's, it's just not worth it. It really isn't. I mean, oh, gosh. And that's the thing. It's been all kinds of losses too. It's been tightly contested affairs. It's been – Absolute blowouts. It's been everything in between. Uh, I mean, why? Why did I think this year would be different? I mean, it's 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 maddening. And what really didn't help too is so many miscues. So many things. It it really felt like the team. Almost didn't want to play. That's 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 the mm. hard part. That's the thing I can't seem to wrap my head around. Like some of the gaffes that were made throughout the entire game, and I'm talking about on offense, defense, and special teams. I mean, it was just there was just bad football all throughout all all three fa- facets of the game. It was tough to watch. Uh, what really made it tough to watch, though, was just for the first half of this football game, you still had the impression the Alouettes were in it, even though that's where a, a lot of these blunders happened, but they just couldn't find their own way. Like, halftime adjustments, they're supposed to make you better, not worse. It felt like they got worse as the second half went on and at and, that point... And, it they was just a ma- full,
1: and they had a full 15 minutes this time around unlike 10 for, for for the Canada Day rain game.
0: Yeah, it was... It was just a comedy of errors unfortunately. that's That's probably the best way to describe it and <laughs> All this to say that, yeah, if they announce the when they announce the schedule for the 2024 season, if they happen to go with all nine teams play each other at home and away, so be it. But if they decide, okay, we're going to stick with this kind of schedule that we've got going on now where sometimes you don't play a certain team in a certain place. I sincerely, sincerely hope that the Alouettes do not go back to BC place. It's at, at this point, you may as well just say, you know what, we're not even getting on the plane. Just put just put an L. That's really all, all it is. It's
1: it, it's frustrating for fans and supporters of this team that you know I was at practice on Friday. Um, you know, in my head at least, I know the history. We know the players don't. You know, most of the players don't know the full you know the full extent of the history of B of the Owls in in BC. And you try to go about it in a positive you know a positive state of mind, but. You know, and even though you we know, don't, we had a new head coach. Coach Moss has done quite well in BC. Uh, Cody had done Extreme. pretty well, you know, in his career versus BC.
0: I think he was six and one before the game on Sunday. Yeah,
1: and it's again, you can't, you know, supporters like me. I'm a stats minded guy. You know, sure, we can say, oh, you know, what's what's done is done and is in the past and is in the past. Well, unfortunately, when it comes to the Alouettes in BC, the past is the present, and it's going to be continue to be the present until they can go on a winning streak in BC. That's never happened, ever well, happened. Well,
0: when when they're throwing around wins out there like manhole covers, and how how the heck do you go on a winning streak when you can't even get one win? Mm-hmm. I mean, when they have not they have not won in BC place since 2015. I mean, that is mind-boggling to think
1: yep no it's true but still i think to me still the big stab is nine nine wins in 40 games yeah i mean <laughs> there's,
0: again there's there, there's no motivation to go out there and try to win because it seems it
1: just... and they went early we thought okay it's a 4 p.m game technically for them you know 4 p.m local here in my, you know yeah. from uh, eastern time so that boded well, but still, again.
0: Nothing doing. No,
1: <laughs> nothing doing. Um, it's funny. The stats were updated a couple of times this week. Got the final ones with the, uh, the preview for the Toronto game, which we'll be you know, talking about in a couple of minutes here. Um, but Cody Fajardo ended up going 25 of 40 for 287 yards. No picks. That's good. No touchdowns. Passing. That's not uh, Cody had the long, the lone touchdown in the first quarter. He also he also, in. he also led the team in rushing, which we'll get to in a minute here too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that touchdown was after what potentially could have been. It's funny to say on the first play or the second play of a game to be the turning point. And you mentioned this on the on uh, Flight Deck Live this past week that the not the callback of the pick six by DuCroix may have been that turning point. Even though it, uh, which I agree with, there have been multiple chatter on in local media and on online. That was a, a ticky tack call. It should not have been it should not have been called DPI.
0: No. But, or no illegal contact.
1: Sorry, illegal contact. Yeah. So that that there may have been the turning point, because as as you stated, Vernon could have been flustered from there out. The Owls were technically up fourteen nothing. Technically up fourteen nothing. Mm-hmm. Again, we talk yeah. about swings that happened last. You know, it happened last week versus Winnipeg. Talk about you know the, a swing of when a, when there was a turnover and and we're about to score and. That's that's what it was there. It was a swing basically of of seven points, a four, sorry, of fourteen points. But it wasn't. Uh, we played catch up basically for the entire game, and uh, another loss in BC. But it yeah. was just it more. It, but to be honest, Cliff, it was just more than one play that actually cost us Alouettes team this game.
0: Oh, without question. And, as I said, there all three facets of the ball. there's just blunder after blunder, and just some Some of it was, I wouldn't necessarily call it blunders. It's just really bad luck. Like David Cote attempts a field goal to try to cut into the lead. A field goal gets blocked, which ironically enough was funny because the punt that gave Montreal possession was blocked. and uh, by Lowall Lu- Ugolak. And Zach Lindley was able to recover it at midfield, giving mm-hmm. very decent starting position for Fajardo and company. But the best they could muster was to get close enough to get a field goal. And, okay, David Cote, nine, you know, nine times out of ten, is going to make that field goal with his eyes closed. But, holy cow, the, the BC Lions just stepped up and blocked that kick, sailed way up into the air, into the arms of a, a BC player, and just he took it to the house. He, he just, and there's nothing you can do at that point. Like, everybody was caught flat-footed. Like, okay, that happens. I, I mean, we just saw, like, like you think about the Grey Cup uh, last year, Toronto mm-hmm. and uh, Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Two blocked field goals in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it's like trying to find, it's like finding a unicorn. It, it's so rare. It's so unheard of. But the, the, these things happen. I mean, so you can't really fault anybody. It's just, unfortunately the way the ball bounces so to speak
1: yeah I know but
0: but what's unforgivable though is like some of the the, the absolute errors and stupid penalties and all, all sorts of things that really handcuffed the alouettes throughout the entire game it was it was just just I don't know if it was bad luck or just poor management or any number of those things it was just as I said a comedy of errors and just it made for a not fun day out at BC place. No.
1: And it makes me wonder too, with the Alouettes only having one practice this week, one official practice this week, which was today as we're taping this, how can you, how can you make these corrections? Because seven of the 10 penalties that the Alouettes took were all, were special teams. And three of them as we on Herji Myala.
0: And you know, we love hergie yeah. we, we really do. He's friend of the show. Great, great human being, fantastic receiver. But what in God's name was he doing on special teams? Like, the first time, okay, it happens. And I'll even say that that first penalty on him on on specials, that was marginal at best as well. Like, there was, there was some hand fighting. You're, you're going to see that, you know, sometimes. And I I thought that was a, a ticky-tack call right there. But the other two times were practically egregious. And, I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, the first one, like, as I say, uh, was it uh, once is a mistake twice as a choice three times as a pattern <laughs> or so, something along those lines yeah well th- it was there was definitely a pattern because that was three times that uh, heard got called for uh, on on special teams like maybe don't put him back out there I, I I I don't know what happened why 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 he was out there on specials but yikes that was not that was not
1: good it, it may have been a roster thing for all we know I mean when it came <sighs> to yeah but yeah, I mean there were just so many different things, and, and and if and if you're a supporter of this team and you go back, well, well, well Cody this, Cody that, it, it, this game was not the result was not Cody's fault. I think what is funny, by the way, Cliff, you know, Cody started off fourteen to fourteen, you know, he was perfect at halftime, uh, thirteen for thirteen, came out, got his first pass, fourteen to fourteen, which put him just shy of the uh, just shy of the league record from the, for most consecutive passes to start a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny to say <clears throat> that that 14, of, that was the most mediocre 14 of 14 I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he was 13 to 13 for 104 yards or whatever it was. I mean, and when you think of sure, it's a great average, you know, it's just shy of 10 yards, 10 yards of reception. Mm hmm. But still, it just seemed just based off of where the owls were at halftime. It was just—it's funny to say. You, you, our quarterback's doing absolutely amazing, but man, that was a, a mediocre thir- fourteen for fourteen.
0: Well, what makes me laugh is you get people like—I'm I'm, I'm, promise I'm not calling you out here on this—stats people that mm-hmm. like or people that you like to use stats to justify a quarterback's play, whether it's good, bad, or other. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, uh, I, I seem to recall uh, one Joey Alfieri liking to throw Trevor Harris's stats in my face about you know how he really is a very good quarterback. And I said, listen, stats are nice, but winning's nicer. And yes, Trevor did find his way and started winning football games. but during that, that time when he was looking middling at best and mediocre at worst, yeah, don't, don't throw stats. Don't throw his completion percentage in my face and his this and that and his dinks and dunks and all that crap. Like, guess what? The Alouettes still lost the game. Or they lost this game. They lost that game. Or he's driving. he can drive them down the field, but then you end up with field goals. And that was pretty much the Alouettes in the second half. Like, it feels weird. Once again, a quarterback wearing number seven is able to get the Alouettes into field goal range, and that's it. And I'm sorry, but the field goals were not going to cut it, especially when the BC Lions and Vernon Adams are scoring touchdowns left, right, and center.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny and Cody went for the second half after that he went 10 4, sorry. Uh, I'm trying to do my, my quick math here inside my head. He went 11 4 <clears throat> uh for 25. I think if I'm doing my Yeah, I think 11 for 25 in the second half. Uh-huh. Um but again, it wasn't all on Cody. But again, Cody led this team in rushing. I'll say it again, With- Cliff. Cody led this team in rushing. He, by far, by far, he had 57 yards on eight carries. You know, KGG had one uh, an outstanding run there. For, he was just one for 17. But, here, this is the issue. William Stambeck had six attempts for 17 yards, a 2.8 average. You know, longest was nine. And yet, we're only down by 11 at half. And it's like they gave up on the run.
0: Something that Coach Moss had said he was not planning to do this year was give up on the run. But again, we, we we saw it in Winnipeg against Winnipeg, and we saw it against BC. Is that yeah, you get into a hole and one that you just don't feel you can climb out of so easily. And yeah, who suffers the most? The running back. Like, they just get they get turned into an extra blocker if, if that uh, on the offensive line. And yeah, it's I mean again. It almost feels like these teams are really, truly figuring out how to attack this uh, offensive line when it comes to trying to create lanes for the the running backs to possibly do something. But, yeah, we're falling falling into a lot of the old tricks that we saw last year when it came to how Cody Fajardo played and how the offensive line more or less hung him out to dry. But can't completely blame the offensive line either because they're, for the most part, doing their job. But at the same time, like... I, I, I've seen this a way too often. Like we were seeing a lot of blitzing from, from BC, for example, like their defensive line was blitzing like crazy. And mm-hmm. it just felt like it was a wave. Like they rush right into the offensive line and it almost felt like Co- Cody would just do just enough to evade getting that initial tackle. And then he'd run because like the pocket didn't collapse around him because the pocket just got swept away to sea, And he was out there all by himself and, Oh crap, I got to run. And, as as I've often joked, uh, Fajardo is a Latin word for "run for your frickin' life" because <laughs> that's exactly what he's been doing this year: is running for his life. And it sometimes he gets a great runoff. and if if he can move ten, twelve yards downfield and get the first down, that's great. But if he can't even get two yards down before someone tackle like uh, hits him with a shoestring tackle or something like that, then it's all for naught. I mean, like it, 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 it's concerning more than anything else. I. I have to wonder what's what's going on in everybody's head when it comes to, especially when it comes to blitzing. Like, what what are they seeing? Like, what can they do to improve upon that? And as you said, there's only been one practice, one official practice this week. He had three rushes.
1: He had three attempts in the second half. I just checked it now. Three attempts. Stand back. Yeah. Yeah. And he he had that great catch, but three attempts.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like William Stanback has done great things when it comes to his receive, like his catching game. Like he he's become a very solid receiver and should be used quite frankly more as a checkdown option, which I haven't seen a whole lot of either. But at the same time, you're paying this guy to run. Like that, that's that's his bread and butter, mm-hmm. and he's just not getting the opportunities, or it doesn't feel like he's getting the opportunities. Is and I, I, I want to believe it's not because teams have figured him out so quickly. It, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I just don't think the opportunities are there for him at all. And once again, Jason Moss—it doesn't feel like he's creating those opportunities as well. He just—it it just feels like the Elwets get into a hole. Uh, Cody's got to try and dig himself out of it and, uh, you know, dig upwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it it, it it its crazy. It's crazy. And then yeah, the the fact that your starting quarterback is leading the team in rushing—I think this is the second game in a row, yeah. if not the third—that's that's troublesome. That is very, very troublesome.
1: No, I I agree with you, and I'm I'm hoping again <clears throat> we'll see if Walter Fletcher is activated this week. Um, you know, it it might be able to change change it up a little bit because we know who the Argos most likely the Argos are going to be going with, obviously. But if if we can just get a, maybe a, a one two punch out the backfield and use them properly, you know. It, it could be to their advantage against the Argos, but something something's gotta be done. I mean, this is not the same William Stanbeck, and, and you know, nothing, you know, I do understand that this is the last year of his current contract and he would be a free agent next year. He, come on, William. Yeah. <laughs> but again, only getting the six attempts, you can't blame that on him, but still some, something's gotta change. Something has to change in itself because it's it was just you know utterly embarrassing what happened. Obviously, but but you know first let, let's give some props here, Cliff. Though you know, a you know even though it doesn't show it uh, in the scoreboard, the stats themselves actually do show that the Alouettes could have been in this game and even farther. It could be could have been winning this game. They had five extra minutes on time of possession. Um, I, I think they were almost equal in yardage, which blows my mind. But yet again, look at, look at how much they lost by. It. But on the positive side, on the positive side, the minor change that the Alouettes made by making some changes on the practice roster and activating a couple of, of rookies was absolutely genius and what needed to be done, and, it, and it, it bodes very well for the team, for this team, especially with the potential of Tyson Philpot coming off the sixth game. Can you just imagine? Austin Mack, Tyler Snead, Courtney Davis, KJG and put throw Tyson Philford into there. I can only imagine what you know the type of threats that we have and especially that catch that Courtney Davis made. You know, it's funny. Two of our new guys this year, Courtney Davis and Austin Mack have made G- uh, Gino Lewis type of catches, which is what we need to see. That's fantastic. That you know they're finally going to ha- finally get those deep threats.
0: And, and you know you've arrived when gino lewis himself gives you the stamp of approval on mm-hmm, twitter mm-hmm. he he was loving that courtney davis catch and i, I don't know if gino knows that he was wearing the uh, courtney was wearing number 87 during training camp but uh, we we won't get into that but. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 as i say real recognized real and if eugene lewis is sitting up and taking notice at your catch, you're doing something right. And I I hope the Alouettes realize that and definitely find a way to get Courtney some more reps, get him involved a little bit more in some of the offensive schemes because this young man, we we saw him make outstanding catches throughout training camp and into the preseason. So we know the talent is there. It's just a matter of, is he going to get the opportunity? And I sincerely hope that kind of put that little spotlight on the stage. I, I sincerely hope that was enough for the Alouettes to really consider, okay, we got to find a way to get this guy in the game more often.
1: Yeah, for sure. Austin Mack did lead the 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 team in receiving again this week. He currently leads the CFL in total receiving yards. Some interesting stats that came out by the way from Steve Daniel in the in the uh, uh, in the preview for the game this week for the Argos. No Alouette has ever has ever led the uh, no Alouette first year player can't call him a rookie. First year player has led the CFL in uh in receiving yards right now he is he's currently on a pay on, on a pace to have the record to beat the record um and become the again to and to make a, obviously a huge name for himself so if it stays just like this cliff i'm sure he'll get there but again uh eight receptions 72 yards tyler sneed great game for this rookie Four receptions, sixty-one yards. His longest was a forty-four-yard re- reception. Talk about Courtney Davis, fifty yards on two catches. KJG five catches, forty-nine yards, and we'll finish up with uh, James Tuck had eleven, and Her- Hergie I had uh, one catch for fifteen. Dude, it it bodes well. I'm liking what's happening, considering how, how what's happened earlier this year you know, with uh, the basically stripping and rebuilding of this franchise. It's just we need to get the Russian game into it. And specifically, gotta stop those sacks with Cody.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's, it's paramount right now. You're absolutely right. This receiving core, I know a lot of people were, were crapping on them earlier this year, saying, like, uh, it's, it's a real who's that of the Canadian Football League. But, uh, I mean, these, these are young men that just – we're needing the opportunities. You're needing the chance to get out there and show what they can do. And Tyler Snead, I I see a little bit of Ben Cahoon in this kid. I mean, he's you know, stature like you know, a bit of on the on the shorter side, but uh, not afraid to make those catches in traffic. Uh, able to get open, like he he too has uh, really really impressed. Uh, Courtney Davis, we just talked about how incredible it was, and Austin Mack, which. Again, I like to think with Austin Mac, it's the podcast karma because we've had him on the show now, and he's he's tracking upwards and uh, in a, in the right direction. So I'm not saying it's because of the podcast necessarily, folks, but uh, I'm not not saying it either. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, uh, yeah, it it all starts with the offensive line. You gotta let you, you got to offer the protection. The, I, I I understand that there's. There's some talent on this offensive line. There really, truly is. I want to clarify something I said on Flight Deck Live. I'm pretty sure I said that this offensive line is garbage, and it's not. They they, they were playing like garbage at certain points, but they're they're not garbage. There are some very talented men on this crew. But when you you see your your tackles, it feels like they're escorting the defender to your quarterback to get sacked. Mm Mm-hmm. It it's it's the optics are not great. And as I said, like the, the blitzing, they, they just get swallowed up by the blitz and leave the quarterback hung out to dry. Now, fajardo has gotta assume some of the blame for a lot of these sacks because there, there are times too where like, okay, he's getting out of the pocket, but then almost runs into one of his offensive linemen. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's simply because it doesn't feel like he's going be given the time and space to work with necessarily. There's just it. It feels like a lot of miscommunication across the board. And at one point, you you have to ask yourself, who who who's at fault for this? Is it the coaching? Is it the the players themselves? Is it the quarterback? Like who who do you blame for the current Wolves? Because let's face it, getting six uh, getting sacked five, six, seven times a game is not ideal. The the Alouettes right now apparently are on pace for a hundred quarterback sacks. Or giving up 100 quarterback sacks this season.
1: Yeah, they're currently at 22. Like that—that's scary. Which, that, is, which is the most in the league, by the way, by six over Edmonton. And, and again, uh, the the one thing we talked—I talked about when it came to
0: Fajardo coming to Montreal to play was. I said this is, this is his opportunity to show that he is that guy, that he, he is the guy that we expected him to be in 2019 and so on, and that the offensive line in Saskatchewan was terrible because that was being held together with duct tape and crazy glue. Whereas here in Montreal, they did a fantastic job protecting Trevor Harris. I, I, I don't think Harris got sacked nearly as much as what he did or, 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 or what Fajardo had has been done this year. And there hasn't been really any changes other than Justin Lawrence being added in free agency. You're still talking about the same core, like nu- the, the same nucleus that was there last year that was able to protect Trevor Harris and let him dink and dunk his way to a, a winning record. and mm-hmm. almost, you know, go all the way to the Eastern final. At the rate that this line is playing right now, uh, I, I'm baffled as to how they're able to let Cody just get, get, run over get run rush shot on and yeah when cody's able to get out of the pocket and, and move that's great if he's able to scamper for that 10 yards to get the first down but if he's just going to run into another wall of humanity on, on the defensive side that's not going to no wonder that this team the best they can do is muster field goals uh, while while the bc lions are, are throwing touchdowns all over the place it, it there's a lot to be concerned about and no, one practice is not going to fix everything, especially when you're you know, you're preparing to face the defending Grey Cup champions on Friday. Mm-hmm. I, but this is something that needs to be taken care of now. And I guess if there's a positive is that it's happening now in July and not in October November where the games truly truly matter. It's uh, I even said after that first loss against Winnipeg, like there was a lot of teachable moments there. And when I look back at the game against BC, I don't see any, te- I don't think there was anything that was taught throughout the week. It, at least it didn't feel like it was because my gosh, I mean, that was just abysmal. Like there, there's really no, no way to describe it. And yeah, uh, I, I wish there was a simple fix, but there's not. I, I think it really just comes down to truly everybody has to get on the same page. Everybody really truly has to work together and we're not seeing that right now. And I sincerely hope that changes considerably this Friday against Toronto.
1: It's going to be a tough a tough road, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna at least mention it now because I know we're gonna we're gonna get into the uh, we're gonna get into the preview. But Toronto going in, Cliff has only allowed four sacks. <laughs> so there's that. Now, by the way, I, I want you to give a. Cause I, you know, you were mentioning to me pre-game or pre-show. You know, as you said, everybody's been ragging on the O-line, but just give a quick, if you can, give a quick shout-out and a quick synopsis of this this PFF stuff. I thought it was very, you know, bougie. I really didn't give it much care much about it. You know, even for me, being a stats guy,
0: I was going to say, wait a minute, you're I know, you a st-
1: I know, I'm like, a, th- I am. This a, is stats. I know, I'm a purist, but and. Reading it, reading this thread, showing the accolades actually of the O-line was a bit of surprise to everybody else. But give a quick cliff notes. We'll, we'll, we'll Obviously, we'll point everybody in the right direction to where they can read this thread. But give a quick synopsis on, on what was saying specifically about the Alouette's O-line.
0: Cliff notes, eh? I, yeah. I, 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 ah. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, essentially, because... Uh, when it comes to PFF or Pro Football Focus, uh, which does a lot of the the grading, well, they've been doing grading now for years on on the National Football League, and now they're starting this year on the Canadian Football League, trying to apply the the formulas that work there and ranking players based on certain uh, certain tangibles and certain uh, you know certain stats and things of of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the surprising, at least seemingly surprising things is that the Alouette's offensive line is actually graded pretty high on the PFF system despite giving up all of these sacks to the quarterback. And a lot of people are like, well, how, how is that even possible? Like, how, how can how can this offensive line be graded so highly yet we're just seeing the quarterback getting, you know, ragdolled? And how they broke it down is just as far as the, the way, like, the essentially the way the, the way they broke it down is just the different types of coverages that are are being shown mm-hmm. are when things break down it's not necessarily on the quarterback it's not necessarily on the offensive line it's it's kind of a shared effort really right and so like the way that they track the stats and the, the way that they track the the, the 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 progress and the grading of the players is based on an overall body of work as opposed to uh, pass protection or run blocking or just overall protection of the quarterback as far as, you know, like make sure the pocket stays open and letting the quarterback do his job. What the Owls are doing more, more than not is they're getting beat, but it's in such tight coverage, believe it or not, that you almost, it, it's, it's, yeah, it counts as a sack because yeah, the quarterback is on the ground, but it's not necessarily counted necessarily towards a sack towards the offensive line because they've done their job. Problem is because of the, the way the play unfolded, the quarterback could have done something different and mm-hmm. the sack actually ends up being on him, which is kind of weird to think about, but that's more or less how they explain it. Again, I, I won't go into the, all the details of it. Uh,
1: well, it's like, you know what? You say that it's kind of like when uh, I think it's happened a couple of times this past weekend in the CFL, where a quarterback throws a pass, it gets tipped by a, by a receiver, and it's intercepted, but but yet the quarterback gets the interception. Yeah.
0: I mean, the most the, the one stat that I found extremely fascinating is the offensive line—the West offensive line has only been beaten 47 times on 148 pass-blocking snaps. You think about it, that, that's a third of, right. of the— so first thought is, okay, well, so they are giving Cody the protection— so in which case, then that, that, that does become the, – the, the question that you, the question you have to ask is, what's Cody doing with that opportunity? Yeah, he does complete passes. Yes, he does hand off the, the, the ball to the running back. But sometimes he takes the ball and goes on a run. And that can go one of two ways, either really good where he gets the first down or really bad where he runs into a defensive lineman and ends up kissing the carpet. So it's easy to sit and blame the offensive line – for all the woes right now for Montreal and when you look at you know 20 plus sacks being given up in four games it's frightening but at the same time you can't lay every single thing on the offensive line that's not to say they don't have to get better because believe me they have to get better they truly truly have to give Cody Fajardo the time and space to work and we saw it earlier this year. Like we thought the pocket was collapsing way too often and thought it was just an aberration or even the fact that William Stanbeck sort of fell on the sword and said, listen, a, lo- a lot of that is on me. I'm not doing my job properly. Like, okay, fine. That was one game. But when you're seeing it again and again and again, it can't, it can't all be on back. It can't be all in the offensive line. It can't be all on Fajardo. This truly is a team effort, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as I said, this is something that, the entire coaching staff truly, truly has to work on. Like these offensive linemen are good men. Uh, I, I definitely think there's a lot of great players on this line. Uh, they just got to get it together. I, th- I think truly that's really what it comes down to is they got to do whatever they can not to get the brakes beaten off them by by the opposing team and truly give their quarterback time and space to work. And I think Fajardo truly has to be more of a stay in the pocket a little bit more unless it's collapsing, of course, but I mean, like, just don't, 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 your first instinct shouldn't be to tuck the ball and run. you. Unless you truly have nobody open, which I'm, I'm sure has happened a few times, but sometimes like find your check down. That's the other thing too. Like you got stand back there. Uh, if he's not blocking, for God's sakes, like someone's got to get in there and, you know, get those dirty yards, those, you know, those uh, second and short yards find stand back as your safety valve if you have to. I, I mean, that's, I, I think that would really take a lot of the pressure off the offensive line. Uh, I would definitely take a lot of pressure off of Fajardo. I mean, at least this way, he's not, you know, he's not, he gives him a chance to make better decisions and just have that confidence to make the place happen. It, it's, I, I know it's easy for us to say, like, you know, sitting on the couch, watching this on TV and, and, and reading the stats and all that crap. But, uh, people ask what, what what's wrong with the Alouettes, what's wrong with their, their offensive line. I mean, there's a lot right there. So uh, we co-tweeted it on the Alouettes Flight Deck Twitter account, but uh, by all means, definitely check out uh, on Twitter at PFF underscore Bryson, B-R-Y-S-O-N. The way he broke it down, I mean, it's it, it's fascinating to see. And you, you may not inc- agree with it in its entirety, but it definitely does give a bit of perspective and a little bit of, insight if you will to how they they grade the 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 players not just on the Elways, but pretty much throughout the entire cfl as far as grading them as to whether or not these are truly outstanding players or not exactly
1: uh before we get to the uh, preview for the game this week obviously the uh, great cup def- uh, defending champion the great cup uh toronto argonauts I want to congratulate uh, Brandy and McAuliffe for winning the pair of the Buff flight crew seats this week, Cliff. Uh, she will be going to the game on Friday to uh, to see the Owls play the defending Grey Cup champs, Toronto Argonauts. And stay tuned, obviously, with the bye week coming up. But we will be having the, the next uh, draw uh, within a, about a week plus, uh, more than a week it'll be after the bye weeks so will be our show our show after the bye week uh, for our home game. and that's our isn't it our first Sunday night game? Uh, it is. versus the Calgary Stampeders. Mm-hmm. So, so stay tuned for those where you can too, be the winner of that pair of tickets. Uh, of the uh, sport buff flight crew seats. And congratulations again, Brandy. And I hope you uh, enjoy the game on Friday. So we got the champs coming in, (laughs) but the undefeated, the undefeated champs coming in, bruh.
0: yeah. And it's, it's so funny because typically after the Toronto Argonauts win a gray cup, they kind of fall off the face of the earth. That's happened in years previous. Mm -hmm. And I was prepared for it to happen again, but Somehow, Chad Kelly and company did not get that memo because they're th- the last undefeated team in the Canadian Football League. Only 3-0, and but still, they are undefeated. And truthfully, I, I, I just don't see how they don't make it 4-0, especially with the way the Alouettes played the, the last two games and just how dominant, truly dominant, the Argos have been playing this week or uh, playing the, uh, so far this season.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny is that, you know, Ryan, their head coach, Ryan Dwitty just got a, a multi-year extension to his contract. Despite how well they're doing, you know what my first thought was, Cliff? What's that? He, yeah, he's about to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> with that multi-year contract, something's about, yeah, something, something bad, something bad's about to happen. So, uh, I mean, the, the, one, the one plus, I mean, uh, play aside, I mean, um, you know, even with, despite the Alouettes' Last second loss on a rouge last year. Yes, I'm sure people will remember very well how that what, what went down the what went down last year. The mm-hmm. owls the owls have still won the last six out of seven, dude, at home. So it does bode well for the owls with them coming to town. You know, despite what the owls have gone through. You know, yes or two and two. I'm happy they're two and two. I, I think they should be three and one, to be all, with all honesty. But having a, a pretty good history and being on the right side of history currently at home versus the Argos can help them this week. I mean, sure the the uh, the Argos are a five point favorite. And by the way, I told you this pregame. I thought that was I was very surprised it was at five points. I thought it would have been higher, even giving us the, the three point uh, home you know home special. Still, I'm very surprised. Maybe that's what it was. should have been eight. <laughs> Maybe it should have been eight. Um, I'm, I'm well, like I, I, said, I still am looking forward to this matchup.
0: It's it's going to be interesting uh, some, because, yeah, as I said, the, the defending Grey Cup champs have looked outstanding. I mean, a lot of people don't seem to like Chad Kelly because he's said in no uncertain terms that he's looking to get back to the NFL. And a lot of the... Older traditional fans don't seem to like that sort of attitude and well, too bad because that's I'm I'm sorry, that's pretty much the goal of any CFL player is to get to the NFL or make it back to the NFL. Because let's not forget, Chad Kelly did have a cup of coffee with the Denver Broncos and he's been wanting to get back. And the best way to do it. Yeah, go to the CFL, dominate, kick ass and make them want you. And that's exactly what he's doing. He is taking that attitude. Like, this is, this is it. Chad Kelly is playing the way that a lot of people expected Johnny Manziel to play when he came to the CFL. Problem is, Chad Kelly is doing all the right things. He's putting in the work. He's doing everything possible to become that superstar. Whereas, Johnny Manziel showed up and expected to be, he expected to dominate and instead just got his ass handed to him Mm -hmm. considerably. I, I mean, Chad Kelly, I mean, love him or hate him. You know he he's doing exactly what needs to be done as far as if he is planning to get back to the NFL, this is the way to do it is just dominate and he's be, he's become a leader. He's become a guy that people have gravitated towards and his teammates believe in him, and, and he's he's helped tremendously by uh, some great receivers. Uh, AJ olette the the running back that simply cannot be stopped. I mean this guy, I, I said it last year. It's like trying to tackle a bowling ball. He he's just impossible to stop. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Harris is uh, doing his uh, farewell tour this year, but uh, clearly this is now AJ Ouellette's team when it comes to the running game. And this defense is just ridiculously good. I I mean, it's, that's what concerns me more than anything else. I mean, opposing teams have been feasting on Cody Fajardo when it comes to the sacks. I shudder to think just how many sacks the Argos are going to want to put up against Fajardo. And, this is truly where this offensive line really has to step up and step up like never before, because they're going to be coming for him and they're going to try to force Fajardo to run. They're going to f- try to force him to make some bad decisions. Uh, I mean, you, you truly are going to have to give Fajardo the time and space to do his work. And that that's the only way you're going to be able to hang with this Argos team, because quite frankly, you know, you, you may not like it, but they are the class of the league right now. Like, them and Winnipeg are the top two teams for a reason and simply put they just win this that's that's all they do is win and Mm -hmm. as as awesome and amazing as it would be for history to rear its ugly head again and have the Alouettes somehow come away with a victory it's not impossible I agree but I mean it, it it's easier said than done to tell you the honest truth and it really truly feels like everybody and their mother is picking the Argos to win this game. And maybe that'll just work in Montreal's favor. Maybe they, they won't have that pressure of, oh, we've got to beat these guys because you know everybody expects us to win. Like, this is the opposite. No one believes in the Alouettes right now. So that could actually work in their favor. And I don't know if I, – I, I, I have to believe that Toronto's not looking past Montreal. I, I have to believe that they, they're going to take this game just as seriously as they have taken their previous games, but – I mean, I look at this Toronto team, and I don't find very many faults here. So it's going to be a tough road for the Alouettes. I'm not going to lie, folks. It's 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 not the kind of game that is a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I'm, I'm just hoping to see things be competitive. Uh, I'm absolutely right. Anything can happen on Friday night. But uh, I just want to see a good competitive football team playing against the defending Grey cup champions
1: no i i completely agree with you and i think it's funny where you know uh, after all the stuff that we've gone through with the last home game you know for canada day and and uh what's, oh hey they've changed the hey they at least they've so far they've changed i was about to say something about the potential weather again but it looks like they've changed it at least currently yay no rain <laughs> thank god <laughs> i was like man are we gonna have to do it through this again Oh man! Uh, oh, potentially no. Nope, I'm looking at the wrong day, dude. It is very possible, Cliff, that we are going to have rain. You son of a! I tell you, at least during the day they're talking about. It, but we'll see what happens once we start. Anyways, it, it's a it, possibility. It's still going to be warm. We'll see what happens. I don't want more rain, man. It's funny to funny to say that. I know we need it in Montreal, but man. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually nice seeing them play on on a on a dry surface last week last week in BC and they had the roof open, so you know what I mean. So beautiful weather under the dome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, this this game is gonna be very interesting, Cliff. As I said, it's um it's very tough that you know, doing this with an official with only one official practice. And I sure hope that they that they have a a good game plan. You know, as I mentioned in the uh, the the live, uh, is that you know you got to keep an eye out on you know the different transactions because you know it kind of pointed to where the Alouettes are heading to when it came to the wide receivers last week. So far as we're talking, there's only been one change, and then Cordell Rogers looked like he's been been pushed back to the. to the practice squad so it's very possible that we we may be getting a see Auntie evans back which would be nice i mean, i mentioned that specifically you know on facebook live this past week but yeah um keep an eye for it obviously tomorrow being thursday uh there should be the depth chart and well we'll we'll get to see uh, what's what you know will we have an activated uh, Tyson Philpot. Will we have an activated Walter Fletcher? I, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to see. You know, the only people who know right now are the are the uh, is the team themselves, and mm-hmm. we won't know until tomorrow about one o'clock ish or so.
0: so. Essentially, but this is definitely a big game in the sense that the Alouettes were able to beat Ottawa and Toronto, their mm-hmm. division cohorts. Yep. And if somehow they're able to beat the Argos had them their first loss of the season. That means the Alouettes would be perfect against the Eastern division. I know which would be pretty cool. But as I said, this is, this is going to be a test for sure. A a, a very big test. And I I just, I I just have to hope. I I know it's a short week. I know that uh, only one practice Uh, coming back from the, the West coast. I mean, there's lots of reasons why, you know, the Alouettes could easily lose this game. My hope is that they were thoroughly embarrassed and felt embarrassed by what they put out in BC, and that they're going to do everything in their power to prevent that from happening again versus Toronto, and fr- especially in front of their hometown fans. I mean, that's that's the other thing too is you don't want to get embarrassed in front of your hometown fans. And simply put, it, it's just a matter of doing your job. Like you you know what you know what it takes. You you know what has to be done. I, I mean. Like listen, said, this team definitely has the talent. There's absolutely no question about that. It's just now got to start coming together. And as we've said numerous times, you cannot lose the Grey Cup. Or you cannot win the Grey Cup, sorry, in July. Yeah. You can lose the Grey Cup in July, though. So right now being 0 for July is a little troublesome. But, I mean, a good solid effort against the defending Grey Cup champions can go a very, very long way, yep. especially going into the bye week and, I mean, after that, like you are essentially got two weeks off when you think about it, because mm-hmm. the next game isn't until July 30th, so a, a good opportunity for this coaching staff to really, truly take a look at this team, look at the moves that have to be made. Maybe things have to be switched up uh, scheme-wise. Uh, I mean, there's there's any number of reasons why things are the way they are, but if somehow they can go into this break the this bye week three and two as opposed to two and three, mm-hmm. that would be massive. For and sure. Regardless, there is a lot of looking inside that this team has to do. And it's it, it's gotta start somewhere. So why not Friday night? Yeah. Why not Friday night against the defending Grey Cup champions? Why not against swag Kelly? You know, you show what you can do. Somehow you find a way to stop the human bowling ball, AJ Olet. Somehow you you manage to make their defense look foolish and out of out of out of sorts. So,
1: yep, and I mean, and we got to do that too. By the way, because uh, Argos, I think the Ls need to make sure that they're in a good position going into halftime, uh, because at least currently the Argos have not allowed a point in the third quarter of this season.
0: So that's huge. So I mean, you almost have to set the tone immediately. Mm-hmm. Like I, I truly don't think this Argos team is going to come in napping by any stretch. But somehow, if you just right off the hop. Like it could be something simple, just like a Chandler worthy house call on 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 the very first opportunity, just something like that to sort of say wake everybody up and just make them take notice, and they you just keep piling on. It it could be something as simple as that, and then next thing you know, you're controlling the game, you're setting the tone, you, you're making them catch up to you. Yeah.
1: It's, it's true, and and they got to score because they they haven't scored that very many offensive touchdowns this year. So, that's the other thing. There's so many things against going against them uh, this week, but they have so much going for them. You know, just just by the, I know that didn't bode well on the scoreboard, but just look, I you know, look at the look what we have at wideout. You know, if we can get the the right thing going when it comes to our running backs, a if we can just get it all together do that perfect game we can as you said we can we can get out of this game with a w head into the bye week at three and two
0: i mean it's not impossible but i mean there's work to be done there's simply put there is work to be done and no better time to start than right now
1: exactly exactly um Stay tuned for the next edition of uh, Flight Deck Live. It will occur either after the game on Friday or it will occur uh, um, Saturday morning slash noonish. But stay tuned to our socials, and we'll let you guys know about it. Uh, we love seeing you guys chime in and, and uh, uh, chatting with us as we talk about the game, our first reactions right after the game. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah, make sure you're you're subscribed to. All of our socials, essentially, like whether it's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, that's the best way to get notified, too, about Flight Deck Live is because when we go live, Instagram notifies everybody. So if you're subscribed and you're following the LS Flight Deck, you're going to get that notification when we go live with the Flight Deck.
1: Exactly. Um, We uh, Even though there is going to be a bye week coming up um, following this week's game, we still are going to be having our shows like normal. Um, but we we have a couple of things that we have in mind, uh, but uh, stay tuned uh, for uh, for all of our socials, for anything that, that may be coming up. But uh, but if you want to let us know who we should have, how we've done, want to chime in and let us know what you're thinking, you can do so. You can email us here at The Flight Deck. You can email me at tim.capper at ca. You can email Cliff over at cliffyd.pine at ca. Let us know what you think. Who should we have, etc.? We would love to hear from you fans. If not through email, uh, you know, shout out us over on all of our socials. Mm-hmm. So, Cody D, dude, looking forward to seeing you again, buddy. We're gonna yes, uh, 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 again, hopefully nice weather. Maybe well, you uh, promised maybe, us nice weather, yeah, so yeah, I know. I'm, and I, you know well, what? I'm-, I- I'm gonna go with what. I Mind you, didn't help last time. But I'm going to go with what, the, uh, what our guide said when we went uh, during one of our, our, our excursions in Hawaii. Whenever he went out hiking, no matter what the weather was, he always brought an umbrella with him because he felt that if he brought an umbrella, it wasn't going to rain. Hmm. So maybe I will do that no matter what it shows that the forecast is going to be because maybe if I do bring that umbrella, it won't rain at least during the game.
0: Interesting. I I like it. Yeah. That, that could be a thing. So maybe everybody who's going to be at Personal Wilson Stadium this Friday, maybe just to be on the safe side, bring the umbrella.
1: There you go. Sounds good what, to what, me.
0: What 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 harm could it do?
1: No, absolutely nothing. Besides security yelling us, don't do that! You put up your umbrella. But you know, what? I think every by now everybody knows that That the uh, power police is, uh, they're banned at Thursday. the stadium. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we'll talk to you guys next week. Talk about the the Owls and the Argos, and uh, see what's going to come up for the bye week. See how they they end up on this week heading into the bye week. So, so for everybody here at the Allwits Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach. Dingo!